Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of That's What B Said. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee, and tonight I've got the whole gang back. Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View is on. Hello, Brittany. Hi. Oh, no. <laughs> Sad Eeyore. <laughs> and you heard Meredith laugh. That's Meredith joining us back again at MK on Sports. Hello, Meredith. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. I'm glad that you guys are both here tonight because I'm sad. Are you guys sad? I'm sad. Yeah. I'm just I'm just tired. I That's am it? so tired. Yeah, it's it's frustrating just this whole brown season. I think it's been more emotionally exhausting. Yeah than anything else for so many reasons. Like there has never been a more talented team that has been so underwhelming. Yeah. And then there have been some of like a little bit of off the field yeah. um, drama creeping up, which we thought we got rid of when Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry took over. But you know, there's been some off the field drama throughout the season and now the Browns have been hit with COVID like really, really badly. Cause last year when the Browns had a mini COVID outbreak, it just, it was isolated to one position group. Like we went into a game with no wide receivers, which sucked, but they still held their own this time. It's everyone. Yeah. Everyone got COVID. So I think just be- between all of that, Everything has been more emotionally exhausting than anything else. And this comes from someone who says, I don't let sports ruin my day, which I don't. I still don't, but I'm still exhausted. Yeah, it is exhausting. So we're going to get into it. We have an entire Browns-themed episode tonight, of course, because we know a lot of our listeners are feeling this exact same way. It is also Christmas week, so we have a little festive song to debut this evening. Do you guys remember two years ago? 2019 the Freddie kitchens era it was around the same time we started to feel we were licking our wounds a little bit unsure of what the future looked like and we created our own 12 days of brown's christmas so look forward to that hopefully that makes you guys laugh if anything because what do we do at this point because last night the browns fell to the raiders in heartbreaking fashion 16 to 14 on monday early evening football it was not monday night football it was in the early evening dinner time if you will They had 18 guys on the COVID list, along with head coach Kevin Stefanski. As one could expect, it was not pretty. The offense scored 14 points in the second half to come back and put them in a position to win, but they failed to convert a first down to ice the game, falling short on a Nick Chubb run of third and three. Special teams left a critical three points on the board going into halftime, a missed field goal that could have been a determining factor to win the game. And then the defense that held Derek Carr and company to 13 points the entire game get a crucial interception with just over two minutes left in the game but could not get off the field when it mattered the most, allowing a Raiders team with no timeouts to march down the field to get into a field goal position that would ultimately end the game. And that's all she wrote, guys. Kind of. Are we done? You guys want to just stop after this? Yep, we're good. Let's go. Podcast (laughs) over. We're done. So I have to ask you guys, because we've all been on Twitter as usual, and it's never easy to get on Twitter, even after the wins this year. But as a fan, is it easier to lose in blowout fashion versus the way that the Browns lost on that last second field goal? Any it's, thoughts on that? It's so much easier to win in blowout fashion. I because agree. let like, me tell I, you. Yeah, I prefer the Patriots game over last That's what game. I was going to say. I felt... Like, you know, when they got blown out against the Patriots, it was almost kind of comical at the end because it was so bad. They got their asses kicked so badly that it was like, okay, like, whatever. Last night, what happened last night was you saw this decimated team take the field. And they really, they gave it their all. Like, there wasn't, I felt so bad for that defense last night. Yeah. Because they tried so hard. And you just wanted to see this team who had close to nothing. You just wanted to see them win, and they were in a position to do it. And at the last second, it just didn't. It was just taken from them. And that just broke. I, I said last night, the last time I felt this bad was when Corey Coleman dropped that pass. Oh, 
That was the last time I felt this sad after a game because it was just heartbreaking the way that everything played out last night. Gut-wrenching. I mean, that was gut-wrenching. Terrible. Yeah, I mean, that was like a Disney finish for the Raiders. For the wrong team! It was because... (laughs) Because even in that last drive, they had uh, an offensive hold that pushed them back five yards out of field goal range. It pushed them back into their own territory. Mm -hmm. And then I believe it was the following play where one of their running backs got the ball and literally three defenders not only missed him, but allowed him to skate through for an extra five or six yards and get out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. That, that to me, there are two defining moments in yesterday's loss that had it gone differently, the Browns would have won. It's obviously the missed field goal at the end of the first half, but even with that missed field goal in that very last drive, if the defenders just tackled the guy in bounds or just noticed that he was doing a little bit of fancy footwork to get an extra five or six yards, which essentially negated that uh, that offensive hold penalty, that that would have been it. They wouldn't have gotten into field goal range and they would have been forced to go for it on a fourth down situation like that. Those are the two moments in the game where if one of those moments were different, the Browns would have won. Yeah, if you would have asked me in the first half how I felt I was expecting like for it to not even be close to game we were all live tweeting in our group chat and it was just kind of like when that missed field goal happened right before the half you know I was kind of like ready to pack it up like okay we should just expect a loss at this point in time Mm -hmm. but the fact that they clawed their way back into this game and actually were was leading in the fourth quarter but to me, I was like, oh, no, they're going to go and get my hopes up. Like, this is this is exactly what was happening. In fact, like, the interception happened. And when you talk about a Disney movie, Meredith, like, that was setting up for a Disney movie, right? When right, you have yes. eight starters out, a million guys on the COVID list, a team that had no business being in this game, winning this game, it was our Cleveland Browns. You know, for once, I wanted to win a game that we had no business winning. Because how many times have we been on the receiving end of that, right? We've lost countless times to backup quarterbacks, to teams that should not be winning against our team. And it just felt like it was it it for us. Like, it was going to happen. It was going to be a good-feeling story for the Browns and a game that actually mattered. And it felt that way. And then there were still two minutes left on the clock. There was just too (laughs) much time left on the clock. And the Browns just could not get a first down, which, I mean, it's plagued them all season, right? These these plays that matter, these third down conversions, the offense all year, regardless of who has been playing quarterback, regardless of who is on the field, they have not been able to convert when it matters the most. No. And that was gut-wrenching for me. Yes. Yeah. It, it's brutal because every, every clutch moment the Browns have failed. Ugh. That's it. And that's I think that's what is really exhausting about this whole season is that there have been so many moments like that, starting with the Kansas City game where the Browns have the ball in what could have been the very last play and they fail to get down the field to score a touchdown, which would have won the game. You know, it's it's like every single game. Except for the like crazy blowout ones like the Bengals win or the win over the Texans. Like every single game, it feels like there's been one defining moment where if we were in a Disney movie, the Browns would pull through and it would be like, remember the Titans or some crap like that. But it's not. <laughs> it's just it's reality. And I don't like it. I don't like reality. You know, it's crazy. Last night we were talking and we were going over like the Browns wins. There has only been one win that felt good this year. Yeah. One. So like, you know, you and I, you can make, yeah, you could make an argument like Kansas City. Okay. That was the first game. Like things could have gone a little differently. It was disappointing, but it wasn't like, you know, it didn't leave a bad taste in your mouth. But if you go through all the games, so, you know, the Lions loss or the Lions win. 
we were all miserable after that one. Like <laughs> the quarterback was so miserable you after that win. You called oh, a no. win a loss. He wouldn't. Yeah, I know. He wouldn't even talk to the media afterwards. He was like, "No, I can't even face the media after a win." And, you right. know, you go like look against Chicago. People weren't happy with that one. You look against the Texans. People weren't happy with that one. It's just one after another, and the only one that felt good. The only time I had fun watching the Browns this year was watching them play the Bengals. That's yeah. it. Right. So, okay, so let's go through this season so far. So mm-hmm. week one, lost to the Chiefs 33-29. to 29. We were still feeling positive. Moral mm-hmm. victory. Right. <laughs> week two, win over the Texans 31-21. to 21. That one made me sad because Tyrod Taylor went out and <laughs> the Browns beat the Texans backup backup. Well, Baker um, Mayfield also got injured in that game, which was pretty pivotal. Right. right. So the following week, uh, win over the Bears, 26-6. to six. Um, Week after, win over the Vikings, 14-7. to seven. We were all miserable after yes. that game, and I can't remember why, but we were. Because we the miserable. offense. Just right. the offense. Um, let's see. Lost to the Chargers, 47-42. to 42. I think that one sucked because it was such a high-scoring game, and it was one of those whoever had the ball last was the one who was going to win, and it was Wait the Chargers. Can we pause there for a minute? Because I got my head ripped off on Twitter, metaphorically, of course. Because... No, physically, your, your head is currently not <laughs> attached to your body. I was being attacked because it was that game specifically, and I will never forget this moment. I was so mad at the offense because they couldn't get a first down. And I know that the defense gave up a million gajillion points in that game. But I was most mad at the offense because all they needed to do was get a first down and that game was over. And I remember how many people attacked me for saying that. And here we are in week 15 being plagued by the same issues that we had at the beginning of the season. All right, so week six – Lost to the Cardinals, thirty-seven to fourteen. That one was that really was bad. bad. That Baker, was bad. Mayfield, <laughs> Baker Mayfield gets beat by a quarterback who's shorter than he is. Um, also gets sick. re-injured. Correct. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Week seven. I've like, I don't know where my notes from the season have gone. So I think I keep trashing them after each of the games. Uh, Win over the Broncos in week seven, seventeen to fourteen. Case Keenum season. Yeah. Right. Which I mean, again, like that one was fine. But it still wasn't like, it wasn't super fun. To it didn't watch. feel good. It didn't yeah, feel good. We were missing pieces. It was just like, okay, let's just get through this game, and you know, get to the, to the next one. Following Halloween, Ugh. week eight, the Halloween oh, massacre, God. fifteen to ten, lost to the Steelers. Ugh. Um. Week nine, the only time we felt good all season. Yes, this is it. 41 to 16 <laughs> went over the Bengals just to be brought back down to earth the following week with a 45 to 7 loss to the Patriots. <sighs> um, and then it was the 13 to 10 win over the Lions, uh, 16 to 10 loss to the Ravens by week, win over the Ravens, and then uh, lost to the Raiders last night. So that's that has been our season so One far. One game. One when game of smiling. Yeah. And, well, like, even week one, we were feeling okay. So it's, like, one and – I would say, like, one and a half games of smiling. Yeah, yeah because everything's new in the relationship, right? It's at the beginning of a honeymoon season. Honeymoon phase. Yeah, honeymoon phase. Like, you're still, like, mm, this is normal. We feel we still feel good about things. And then you just start to f- uncover shit. I really feel like – I really <laughs> – And you start to question the everything. Red, the red flags start to pop exactly, up. Like your, exactly. Like, your friends are telling you, like, hey, hey, um – that, is that thing, that thing that he said to you that you're brushing off and saying is no big deal, we're 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 not actually sure it's not a, a big deal. <laughs> you might need to reevaluate the way your boyfriend talks to you. Yeah. So here we are. So do you guys feel like last night's game, in a way, is a microcosm of how the entire season has played out? Like, should we be as disappointed in this loss as we are? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I really do. Because, like, I, I know that it was third stringers and practice guys, and they literally plucked Dustin Colquitt off the street, and they probably only signed him because they're like, oh, we know your brother. Hey, come play for us. We need you. Um, but We know your brother. <laughs> we have a good relationship with we're family. 
It's like, hey, uh, I I remember your brother. We went to high school together. Um, we need a kicker. Can you do that? Um, <laughs> like, I like I know that we were down to literal like guys from the street in in last night's game, but even so, there there were still a lot of critical pieces that were still there, like Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett, and we were we could have and should have expected big things from Dearness Johnson. And we got John Johnson III back off the COVID list. Now, granted, we lost to JV on Clowney, which was not great. Like, I know delaying the game, the NFL was trying to be fair for the three teams that had massive COVID outbreaks, but it didn't really help the Browns because Baker Mayfield didn't make it off the COVID list in time. Same thing with uh, the Washington football team right now. We're recording this on Tuesday night, and Washington football is playing without Tyler Heineke. You know, so it's... It's not like it helped the Browns and like it, it helped in the short term, but it wasn't a long enough delay to get anyone back. But there were still key pieces on the field that were good and powerful and should have been enough. And quite frankly, even with Nick Mullins, the office did not look that different than it did when it was Baker Mayfield, when it was Case Keenum. Like, there's a Uh-oh, lot. Uh-oh, Meredith. Uh-oh, they're going to come for you. <laughs> Whatever. I don't give a shit. I, like, they're I was getting. for you. Okay, so I made a joke last night on Twitter about David Njoku being the Browns' best receiver. Which and, is, like, a- it's true. That's not a joke. <laughs> yeah, That's well, 100% say, that is true. I, there's not a receiver on that team who could have made that catch. Granted, he was out, but, like, still, still you're not but wrong. But also, it's, it, he is leading the team in receptions right now. Like, even if it is a joke, there's facts to back it up. Like, facts yes. don't care about your feelings. So the game is over, and I'm getting, like, angry tweet after angry tweet after angry tweet from the same dude over and over and over again and he's like going he had to have been going back in my timeline and just like responding to every tweet that i sent out during the game and he told me to shut up about david and joku and he was like this is sad this is not good i'm like get get over it i don't care like who are you i don't know you and i don't care about you so leave me alone and get out of my mentions (laughs) so i don't and i this is not an indictment on Baker Mayfield because if you remember in the off season we were saying the same thing of you know it's not going to be a good thing if we lose Baker Mayfield however we have enough confidence in Kevin Stefanski and we have enough confidence in this offense that Case Keenum can slip in and hold down the fort until Baker Mayfield gets back and that's exactly what happened with Nick Mullins last night he held down the fort as best he could yeah he was given the circumstances and I think that's I think that's a testament to the offense and the talent that's on the field but like yeah the the, (laughs) didn't really look that much different with Nick Mullins under center than it did with Baker Mayfield I think the only reason so it was more the situation they were in last night where it was almost a must-win game just to keep their playoff hopes alive. Yes. And when you're stripped of a lot of important pieces, including your coach, you go into this game and you're like, as a fan, you're just like, all right, I mean, <laughs> this one's for all the marbles. <laughs> like, I guess Against this, the Raiders. This is it. Like, I, you know, but... I I wouldn't have been disappointed. I wouldn't have been as disappointed if it didn't end the way that it did. I think that fans were... They're in the right for being disappointed because, again, this was as close to a must-win game as you can get. Now they're in a position where they have to win out. They have to, to even have a chance at making the playoffs. And you're asking a lot because, you know, next on Saturday, so they're on short rest. On Saturday, they have to go into Lambeau and play the Packers. And that's not an easy task. That's a game that a lot of people assume that they would lose anyway. And now you can't. Like, you cannot do that. And it's just, that's what the AFC North is this year. That's kind of what the NFL is this year. Well, Everyone's up and down, and you can't count on anyone. We still don't know if there's any really good teams in this league. Like, it's right. just well, it's if you chaos. Want if you want something to make you feel a little bit better and have 
a sliver of positivity. Um, I think I was looking at everyone has been throwing 538 stats in my face all day, which is fine. I don't mind it. Um, I think the Browns can still conceivably lose to the Packers and then win against the Steelers, win against the Bengals and get into the playoffs either through the wild card or even possibly winning the AFC North. I think it was if Kansas City can win against the Steelers and who else? I think they play the Ravens. Like if the if the if Kansas City can beat those two teams and then the Browns can win the rest of their divisional games they actually have it's albeit slim there is a possibility that they can win the AFC North and that puts them in the playoffs yeah it's just they made it a lot more different and not even them I can't even say that because it again I'm one of those people that looks at situations okay like this is COVID this isn't the Cleveland Browns fault this is COVID this is what happens when there's an outbreak you're out a lot of pieces so you go in, you try as hard as you can, you you do whatever you can. Nick Mullins was as good as we could have expected him to be. I think I don't have any I don't have any problems with with how he played. Um, Nick Chubb had a slow start, but he really picked it up in the second half. That's what they needed. Um, we'll talk about the play calling. I see that on the sheets. Yeah. So we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, I I just they it's a lot harder to. I think after last night's loss, their playoff chances dropped to like in the 20s, maybe. Yeah. So they went from first place to last place just like that. That's crazy. Yeah. There's still a chance. There's still a chance. Hold that thought, guys, because I want to break really quick to just talk about a podcast on the network called Knuckleheads. Um, Knuckleheads is a podcast that brings you some of the best NBA players, past and present, to have totally unguarded conversations about sports, culture, and basketball nostalgia. The hosts are former NBA players Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. This is the seventh season of doing the podcast, and guests have included Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Sue Bird, and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, NBA veterans are lifelong friends and bona fide truth tellers. Listen as they invite special guests, high-profile athletes, musicians, and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories from the golden era of sports and culture. Named for the on-court celebration they made wildly popular, this unfiltered, hilarious, and surprising podcast is like playing NBA 2K with no fouls. Go ahead and give those guys a listen um, and let us know what you think. But we'll get back into the Browns chatter. So you guys just ultimately think that, like, do you think that the expectations were all at all too high going into the Raiders game? Because the way that I was... The impression that I got from fans, and this is obviously just being on the internet, you know, Twitter, Reddit, whatever, even listening to local radio stations, when the game got pushed back to Monday, I felt like everyone just assumed that the game was a lock at that point in time. Um, and I still was just very uneasy about, you know, trotting out a quarterback who, yes, he's been on the practice squad, but... They didn't have a chance to practice last week because of the COVID outbreak. They, they, they truly did not have time to be together and to throw passes to the, his receivers that he's never thrown to. And then Joel Batonio, the day before the game, has to change positions on the O-line because of James Hudson testing positive. I mean, there were just so many things out of the ordinary that happened to this team that, you know, I think we, I think we forgot and it was easy to forget that the guys that you're playing against are professional NFL players as well, even though they've had a rough go in this season, but they still had their number one quarterback, right? Like that's their first stringer, Derek Carr. He can win football games. And I just, I was just very surprised that like when I was reading tweets after the first half, of how many people were like so mad about like the offense and the defense and the play calling kept coming up. Um, and our play caller, by the way, was sitting on his couch in the basement. <laughs> no, like they were calling him out by name. Yeah. Right. They were throwing him under the bus last night. And I actually, I saw it so many times that I finally commented on something. I was like, he's not even there. I know. <laughs> we were talking about, well, 
Kevin Stefanski got him figured out. He's going to be on the hot seat next year. Like, okay, number one, you can't – with new coaches, everyone gets figured out at some point, okay? Right. Everyone's schemes get figured out at some point. This is a natural process. You can't just dump everyone because their schemes get figured out. You have to trust them enough to say, okay, they've maybe figured you out. Time to adjust. And Kevin Stefanski's a smart guy. Guess what, guys? He's probably going to adjust, but he's not going to be able to do that if you want to can everyone every time there's like a speed (laughs) bump here. He's not going to be able to do that from the couch. Right, right. Um, So I feel like the expectations were low going into the game because it was the third stringers, but then I think the minute the game kicked off, people forgot (laughs) that it was practice squad guys. And then... uh, and then I think they also changed drastically when the Browns were able to get up 14 to 13. So I think that was the point. And then, and then being able to hold the Raiders off after that, I think that was the point where we're like, oh my God, I think we can actually do this. We might actually be able to pull this off. And then it didn't happen. So I think expectations change by the minute with this team. But also speaking, I, you brought up Joel Batonio, and I really want to give him flowers because he just killed it at left yeah, tackle. He did. Like he hasn't yeah. played that position in like two decades, and it looked like he'd been practicing it all season. So, like, we need to give Joel Batonio his flowers for just being such a value on the field. Well, he's earning his paycheck, but right. I just had to laugh because. My husband, after the first half, decides he's going to start putting together a thousand-piece puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just, like, so calm, like, putting together a puzzle. I'm sitting on the couch, you know, and I texted you guys. I'm like, okay, the sweats are coming. Like, as we started to kind of claw our way back into the game, (laughs) like, palms got sweaty. My knees were weak. (laughs) Armpits were sweaty. (laughs) And so my husband's like still putting the puzzle together, but like obviously he's like half paying attention because he can see the TV from his view. And every time like a play was made that the Browns were a part of, they'd announce a name and he'd be like, who? Who's that guy? (laughs) And I was just laughing because I'm like, it's so true. Like all of these people that these announcers are saying, it's like we've never heard them at all, all season because they haven't had to do anything these two. Like they weren't even dressing before this game yes um so it was just it was just a very odd moment um to to witness but going back to the play calling there was someone that i saw on twitter that probably like responded to every media member talking about the conservative game plan and the play calling and all this stuff and i was just finally i responded and i was like I don't know if play calling in this particular game is the hill you want to die on. This is the third string quarterback who literally didn't have a chance to practice with the team. He's never thrown to the receivers and tight ends that he's, that he's throwing to tonight. The head play caller is actually sitting on the couch in the basement. I, I mean, like, I, I don't understand how you want to be mad at the play calling. And specifically, you guys, I think this was the icing on the cake for a lot of these people complaining about the play calling. The third and three call with, you know, two minutes left in the game. Three Nick Chubb runs in a row, and he got stuffed at the line. People were mad specifically about that play call. Can I ask you guys a question? (laughs) Go for it. Uh Uh-oh. How many times have we seen and heard from all of the fan bases why is Nick Chubb not getting the ball? He's our best player on the field. <laughs> Impression is spot on. That was Bob Bunch of Numbers. <laughs> Hang on, let me take a call from Bob Bunch of Numbers. <laughs> Bob Bunch of Numbers on a cell phone. Nick <laughs> Mullins was hot that entire fourth quarter. First time, first time caller long t- First time caller, long time listener. Imagine I'm say the absolute really meltdown. And then hang up and listen. Imagine the meltdown if Nick Mullins would have thrown an interception exactly. in that moment. Oh my god! Which is kind of like you know, it's it's possible for a third string quarterback to feel that pressure, and like that was a real possibility. 
I'm not super mad at the play calling. I'm just not. No. I think that they did what they could with what they had. Yes. That's it's really that simple. Can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite saying. I'll tell you what though, I'm sure the um miserable Browns fans that didn't know how to handle winning are thriving right now. Oh, absolutely. This this is Bob Bunchen numbers element, man. This is their Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) You are so right. You are so right. This is their, this is them like winning the Powerball lottery for $300 billion. Yeah. They walked in, you know, that gif of uh, Vince McMahon walking down the the catwalk with his chest (laughs) pumped out and looking around like that's them this morning. They could not get enough. They're so, Browns like, losing in heartbreaking so happy. fashion last night. They've literally never been happier in, the, in their entire life except for the 0-16 season. I hate that you're right. But you know, like, these are the same fans that are like celebrating this loss that are also like complaining about the play calling. Even Llama's crying in the background. I don't know if you can hear it. She's oh. like, she's like, no, I read your tweets, mom. Like, it's been, it's, it's been rough on everyone today. I know. I know. It has been. <laughs> Did you guys see that Baker Mayfield was live tweeting during the game too? Like, yes. wasn't that just bizarre? Um, it was fun and funny at the same time, but it also kind of sucked. Like, I really feel like Baker should have taken a uh, a note out of Stefanski's book and just turned off of his phone and put it in another room, locked him instead of telling Emily to go to the basement. He should have gone to the basement himself. I thought that was like funny. watch myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I liked that part. <laughs> was funny but like he should have followed the leader on that one and done what his coach does which is lock yourself in the basement put your phone away and just watch the game in in the dark and and cry it feels like we're seeing a lot of not following the leader this season yes yeah yeah that's a great point Brittany. i think one of the things that's so upsetting about this year is that you thought we thought that they finally got it right. And, like, I still believe, 100%, I still believe in Barry and Stefanski. But we thought that one of the dynamics that would change is the the level of respect. Is that the right word? That they would, you know, sort of follow their lead. And you see these mature, calm, you know... I. Kevin Stefanski probably doesn't even know like what Twitter is really because he doesn't care. I thought that that would sort of be contagious in a way. And these players would sort of look up to these people and be like, you know, this is, this is what coach does sort of thing. And that has not happened the way that I thought it would. Well, it was for a while. Like there was a period during the preseason and in the beginning of the season where if you took out just like the voices, like if it was just a computerized voice, if you looked at the script between what Kevin Stefanski was saying in his press conferences and what Baker Mayfield was saying in his press conferences, they were almost interchangeable. Like Baker Mayfield's press conferences for the first part of the year were like Kevin Stefanski Jr. You know? And what happened? I don't know. Like and that Lions game was just shocking. Right. And that at at some point that no longer became the case. And that kind of feels like I don't know, maybe some kind of schism. I have no idea. But the minute Baker Mayfield's press conferences were no longer feeling like a Kevin Stefanski coached press conference felt like that's the point where things started to fall apart you know and then last night instead of concentrating on the game Baker Mayfield is live tweeting along with all of us and he's responding to he was responding to fans too which is fine he can do whatever he wants but I I don't know I just feel like he would have been better off if he had followed Kevin Stefanski's lead on the way he viewed the game but I don't know maybe that's overstepping my bounds and like talking about how someone else should carry themselves. I don't know. I'm I'm talking through my emotions right now. So I don't even, I'm Michael Scott where I start a sentence and I don't know where it's going. 
No, here's my thing. Social media in general is not a great place to be. It's just not. No. So if I were these people, I just wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing there for me if I'm in that position. If I'm in a position where I'm a public figure, you know, I'm famous, I'm a professional athlete, whatever it is. If I'm in those positions, I I don't need to see the the toxicity of social media anymore. Like, I don't need to see all the nasty things people are saying. I don't, for what? Well, how does it benefit your life to even get on and see this stuff? It doesn't benefit our life. We see enough of it. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, at some points, because it seems like it, it, this season especially, we've seen a lot of players go back at fans. We've seen a lot yeah. of, and I'm not even saying, you know, they're people too understood. I just don't know that I would be even interested in, actually, I do know that I would not be interested in looking at what people say because, and it's not exclusive to Cleveland. I see, before we started recording, I saw a tweet that said, you know, something along the lines of, why would these, why do fans think it's a good idea to make these players' lives hell? Don't they know that we'll never get a free agent, blah, blah, blah. Number one, it's a business. Like, players will go anywhere for the right price, period. It's, mm-hmm. That's not a problem. Number two, like, complaining on Twitter is not making people's lives hell. And if it is, like, you just take this too seriously. Like, I yeah. wish my biggest problem was people saying mean things about me on the Internet. Number two. And then number three, this is not exclusive to Cleveland. Like, this is everywhere. I don't know if you've looked around America lately, but everyone's level of insane... Over the past uh, probably year, has just reached new levels, and this is not just Cleveland-based. People are kind of assholes, and the best thing you could do is just block them, so you don't have to to engage with them. That's it. That's little. That's probably the only thing you can do to keep your own sanity. Yeah. Right. Every yeah every football market, and I'm going to expand it beyond football. I'm going to say every professional sports team in America, if they're not doing well their fan bases are going to be angry about it and tweet angry things on the internet about it. It's not unique to Cleveland. No. You know, so this idea that angry people on the internet are going to keep free agents from coming here is just wild. This is insane. Also off base. Yeah, we're not that important. No, no. You know what? I think Bree, you nailed the you nailed it right on the head right there. I think that's exactly what it is. Is that I think people, especially when they get external validation for the things they say, aka likes and retweets, they think they're more important than they are. Yeah, that's really like I think you epiphany because of what you just said, Bree. That's really what it is. Everyone thinks that what they say is the most important thing in the world. And then when they get a ton of likes and retweets on it, their ego gets conflated and their sense of self-worth gets conflated when in reality, you know, they're just like Joe mortgage broker. Yeah. Which is really Bob sad bunch though, of numbers. when you think about it, like in all seriousness, because professional, like going back to Baker, like tweet live tweeting during the game, like whatever. I, I was totally fine with it. In fact, like how fun would it have been to like see his reaction? Had the Browns pulled that off? You know, like he he we're just in such a himself. weird time in general with COVID and like, that would have been like a really cool moment to go back and like think about. But off of that, like social media, just in general, like to have to, to, to need to feel validated by likes and retweets is a real thing. Like that is a real thing that a lot of people like grapple with and a lot of influencers, if you will, like that's their livelihood. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it becomes an identity and it's validating when people are liking and retweeting and commenting, but to what extent? And then you add on like as a professional athlete or famous person in general, you know, the amount of visibility that they have just in general. I mean, they have millions, thousands of followers, right? Mm-hmm. So they're already validated in that sense of like all these people follow me, like look at me, everything that I say, you know, is going to be seen around the world. It could make news just based on like things that I tweet out or pictures that I post or whatnot. And that's just a really, I guess, scary place to be in because I do think maybe some of these athletes too, like 
they think that they're also more important than they really are. Um, and I'm saying that, like, I, I, I'm not saying anyone specifically on this Browns team at all. Like, I, I don't know them personally. I have no idea who they are. But I do think it's easy for them because of their likability or their reach that they already feel like entitled to certain things or being allowed to say certain things or acting a certain way um, just based on who they are, how many followers they have. I don't know. I could just be like making this all up, but no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It feels like sports, not just Browns fandom, but just sports fandom in general would be so much more fun if nobody had Twitter and it just was among group chats Yes. Yeah, well, because even <laughs> even with how miserable that game was last night, and even though I was technically at work, you know, I was still able to keep up with our group chat, right. and that was the most enjoyable part of the night for me was being able being able to talk with you guys and Jenna and Angie throughout the game. Yeah, yes. and it's like also sick and twisted though that these people that like seek this validation, they do it in ways that are a lot of times not nice. Like they're callous, they're toxic. They want responses and interaction, regardless of how they get it. And so when these athletes like subtweet or respond or quote tweet, like these people get off on that. Like that's exactly what they want. Right. Yeah. Like they want to be known as trolls. A, they want a, you a to block more, them. Yeah. Like this is like, and that's like just so twisted. But like, I don't know. I think for us, like we tweet a lot. Like we tweet a lot about our thoughts, our feelings, whatever. Like we're not doing it to get likes or retweets necessarily like these are truly our own personal thoughts like I don't need anyone to validate my opinion or respond to me like I don't know it's it's just such a weird Brown Brown's Twitter specifically has been in such a weird spot over these last couple of years it's been hell I think the thing that bothers me the most is when you know I see I'm trying to figure out the nicest way to say this. <laughs> Go ahead. Are you talking about are you talking about the narrative that fans aren't allowed to be disappointed or upset? Well, yeah. So there seems to be this sense of entitlement that is like, well, how dare you talk about how dare you be mean? How dare you not be kind? And it's like you see it from these people who aren't in the depths of this where they don't see what happens every day to regular people and it's like they we've been dealing with this for years of people just being (laughs) jerks and assholes and personal attacks and attacking loved ones yeah this is what has been going but how dare you do that to us yeah like, that's what pisses me off. It's not like, you know, oh, everyone should be nice. No, it's them saying, how could you be so mean to us? Yeah. Like, they're, you're not special. They're mean to everyone. I promise you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. They are right. just on there to be mean. It's not just you. But it doesn't matter until they're being mean to us. I, I told, I said this to you guys in our group chat, and I'll say it again here. Um, if you want to see a toxic fan base and just toxic on social media just twitter search justin fuente's name because i am telling you hokey fans including myself um i tried to be uh civil because i am a member of the media but i have tweeted some not very nice things about justin fuente and just you guys don't see it because you don't follow but i do have like a section of hokey twitter that i'm still a part of and i still interact with and we still follow each other and just hokey hokey message boards hokey twitter just the fan base during the justin fuente era oh my god it makes the it makes brown's twitter look like child's play like it was bad it was really bad and i actually had an old co-worker that got lambasted on a clemson message board like five years ago just because he said Krispy cream was better than dunkin donuts or something or maybe it was the other way around i forget but there's um there's a donut cult in South Carolina, and if you and it's a chain one too. I think it's Krispy Kreme, and if you insult their Krispy Kreme donuts, like it was insane. It got to the point where there were articles literally written about my coworker for his donut takes, 
and it was people on a message board for Clemson University. So just every fan base has its moments. It's not just the Browns fan base and, and the people who get upset that the Browns fan base is bad. It's I would say it's on par with other passionate fan bases. That's really my my opinion on it. Well, and just to clarify something for a minute here, too, what Brittany is talking about is very different than going on Twitter and venting about a football loss, right? Right. What I was seeing yes. was people being upset, being disappointed in, you know, the loss. And rightfully so, like, people are allowed to feel however they want to feel. Like, you, sh- you can't tell someone how to feel and how to react. I didn't see anything that was vile or, like, name-calling or whatever. No, no personal attacks right. at all. Didn't no, not that I what, could see. What we, like, I have been called an abusive mother on that on this app because someone doesn't like me that is very different than saying chase mclaughlin should have made his field goal should have made the field goal that's what lost us the game (laughs) very very different and i and i just think that that's very important to say because Brittany's right like at the end of the day it's football and the people have been fans of this football team for a lifetime they've experienced way more downs than they have ups and we on this show and a lot of fans feel the same way we are very appreciative to have had the last two seasons that we have had even at sitting here at seven and seven and that heartbreaking loss like I still am very happy that we've gotten to witness what we've gotten to witness because yes times have been worse but it doesn't mean we're not allowed to be mad about losses still it doesn't mean that we can't be upset like that was a roller coaster of emotions to go through yesterday and we are a passionate fan base Right. But there was nothing, like, no one was attacking anyone. So I I especially think that in the same vein of of Browns fans being upset, I think that Browns fans are allowed to be upset, even more upset at 7 and 7 now, because one of the takes that I hear a lot from callers on the radio is, oh, we would have killed for a 7 and 7, like, being at 500 this time a few years ago. And I'm sitting there thinking... But it's not a few years ago. The fact that the Browns had a crucial win against the Steelers in week 16, 17, whatever, last year, and then beat them again the following week in the playoffs. Not only was that a cultural reset for this team, it was an expectations reset for this team. So every fan regardless of how long you've been a fan of this team, regardless of how many ups and downs and the fact that there's been more downs than ups, the fact that this team has been really difficult to watch for the last 20 years. Last year, they won a playoff game against, they won a crucial game against the Steelers and then won against the Steelers again in the playoffs the following week. That is an expectations reset. So for the fans who are upset at the loss last night and they are upset at being 500 at this point in the season when we probably expected them to have at least 10 wins by this point be upset and be upset about it because you've earned the right to be upset because of how things changed it's so annoying when people who aren't or haven't been browns fans come in here and they're like well this is how you should fan you should always be like what are you doing how, how could you not kiss these people's asses all the time? And it's like, you're new here. <laughs> you, don't, you clearly don't know how this works. Just let us regular poor people get on the internet and say, I should have made that field goal. It's not a big deal. Right. If you don't like it, then just block people. I blocked four people today. <laughs> just do. It's not hard. Hit that block. You see something, you're like, block, done. Never have to see this person again. That's it. But don't come in here into this world that you're new to and just be like preaching how we should be when it's like, who who are you to tell us how to be fans or how to react or how to feel? I agree that people should not base their happiness on football games. Like if that's your if that's your life, if that's your only source of happiness, probably something not right (laughs) you might want to like look into that but like don't don't come in here preaching to browns fans how to be a browns fan we don't like that and we're not gonna respond to it well (laughs) you don't know us yeah right yeah i think too Brittany gave good advice 
don't get on social media. Like maybe don't. If if it's going to impact you that much and your feelings are going to get hurt if someone is complaining about someone dropping a pass or someone missing a field goal, then like maybe it's best to turn off your social media for the season. Because yeah. here's the thing. If that upsets you, like the opposite could also happen where you could get too high on yourself reading good things about you. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it could go both ways. I don't know if there's a happy medium that exists on social media. There really isn't. I mean, listen, we know that that's the case. It doesn't exist. There's no happy medium. No, 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 no. no. That's not what this is. Nope. I think I stayed off of Twitter the better part of today, you know, outside of getting on for work. And when I do that, I'll get on one of my work accounts. But on my personal Twitter today, I think I maybe have scrolled through my timeline once or twice for a few minutes. And that's exactly part of it. It's not that football ruined my day or I'm upset with how people are being a fan. It's just I didn't feel like reading the negativity. I just didn't. So I just didn't go on Twitter. I was on Instagram and tagging people trying to win stuff because it's giveaway season. I still haven't won anything. But I'm just like going through Instagram like tagging people on bullshit saying hey maybe we'll both win a prize here so that's that was my social media activity for today (laughs) yeah I mean last week I was thinking about this Brittany you know we were in our happy state and we had no idea what was coming (laughs) the days following (laughs) after our happy state but Brittany was eating nachos and listening to football scores it's like all she wanted in life yeah and so simple Last night, I was like, my coping mechanism is to like take a nice hot bubble bath. And I was like, I'm going to take a snack with me because I needed to eat my feelings a little bit. I got a bag of Doritos and I'm like enjoying my bubble bath. I freaking dropped my Doritos in the bathtub. No. <laughs> oh, no. Man down. Like, I'm going to pack it up for the night. Like, I'm just Man I'm down. done. <laughs> Men overboard. (laughs) Someone on Twitter told me that I I would have fit right in with the Browns team with all my drops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was I mean that made me laugh. Like that was that's good. That that was good. That's funny. Um Oh man. Anything else you guys want to cover in regards to the game? The Browns, I mean the Browns play the Packers on Christmas Day. Oh, God. Nothing like a Christmas Day game to either ruin our Christmas or make us really happy. You guys think there's any shot that we can win against Aaron Rodgers? I hate Aaron Rodgers, by the way. So the only way I think the Browns win is because I'm pretty sure the Packers have already clinched their playoff spot Mm -hmm. is if Aaron Rodgers is like, you know what? We'll throw you a pity win. You guys are down in the dumps right now, and we could run up the score 62 to nothing on you, but we're not going to. We're going to let you have this one. Here you go, little buddy. You get to have Like I said, no, this is fantasy land. Oh, okay. We're in fantasy land. Got it. No, no, no. I'm saying that this is probably the only way that the Browns beat the Packers is if uh, Aaron Rodgers goes from beginning of the movie Grinch to end of the movie Grinch where his heart grows three sizes <laughs> and decides to take pity on the Browns and let them win. Brittany, what about you? Any Is there any hope for Saturday? Yeah, I think there's hope. I, there's always hope. I hope they win Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> it's as good as it's going to get. I don't. I, this I, this was one of the three losses that I predicted at the beginning of the season. So, right, I, you know, it, whatever, guys, just <laughs> it could happen. Browns, you broke Brittany. They, they did. did. They broke I'm her. I'm done. I know. I mean, I guess all we can do is hope for the best, right? Maybe there'll be That's a Christmas it. miracle. It could happen. It could happen. Yeah. So. I'll ask you guys this because I don't celebrate Christmas, so it doesn't really make a difference to me either way. Um, do you like the fact that the Browns are playing on Christmas? I do. Yeah, I was really happy at the beginning of the season. I think right now I'm kind of a little bit indifferent, but selfishly, I leave on Saturday, so I'm happy that I get to watch them and I'm not going to be flying. So, yes, yeah. answer is yes. I was I was curious about that because I know that. The NFL can sometimes be background noise on Thanksgiving, but it's also nice to have 
something on. I'll tell you what, growing up, having the NBA on Christmas Day was such a blessing. I loved that. Oh my God. It, it, it is it's such a blessing if you don't celebrate Christmas because everything is closed. Every channel either has like fireplaces, just just fireplaces or um, it's a wonderful life on repeat. Fireplaces. So yeah, like you turn on like yes, the SEC channel. Everybody it pops up on Netflix now for things I might like. I'm yeah. like, why would you yeah, think I'd like that? I mean, maybe I would, but how I would just you turn know? It on and it's, a, and it's, it's just a fireplace. <laughs> like That's what it is. But yeah, so having, even though I haven't been the biggest basketball fan my entire life, I still enjoy it. So just having the NBA on Christmas Day was such a blessing. So now that the NFL looks like they're starting to try and take over Christmas Day, I, I like that those games are on because it gives you something to watch. For me, it gives me something to do because I'll be working. So I'm glad that I actually have something to do on Saturday. It'll be great. So I don't know. I was just curious from your guys' point of view because I know you both celebrate Christmas and it's important to you guys. So Yeah, you're right. I always really enjoyed NBA on Christmas Day, to be honest with you. I remember so growing up fun. with that too. Yeah, it's always a lot of fun. And we've had some good uh, Cavs games on Christmas Day during the LeBron era. Those were some fun. Right? Fun All those Cavs-Warriors yeah. games on Christmas Day? Those were fun. Yeah. I loved those. Even before I lived in Cleveland and I wasn't really following the Cavaliers too terribly closely, I still loved those games. Yeah, I. for me too, we don't – my family, like, we don't typically watch Browns games together. Everyone's always, like, doing their own things on Sundays or whenever they play, you know, in the in the night games. So it'll be nice because they're actually all – we're all going to be together for Christmas anyway, so we'll get to enjoy a Browns game all together, which we'll see how that goes. Yay. Hopefully the elf brings a Christmas miracle. That's right. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Little dude was doing all the Browns cheers yesterday. Did anybody, did any Browns fan ever take Brownie the Elf to do Elf on the Shelf? I feel like that would have been a fun idea. We oh, have a you. Browns-themed Elf. He's... We should. <gasps> Let's not talk anymore about it. Let's patent it. That's right. I know. Oh, my God. I might have to delete this from the podcast. The TikTok, <laughs> they did a TikTok last year of him, like, all around the bleachers. Like, Elf, they did something with it last year on their, like, TikTok account. There should account, be an Elfie on the Shelfie. Yeah. They did something right. like that. But anyway. Yeah. Um, I know. Pat, patent pending. There you go. You can't steal our ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, we have to, we have a song to sing. Don't we, we do. We. You guys are going to make me sing it. <laughs> By we, we mean Bree. Bree has I'm a song to sing. Not a great singer. Okay. So, if you guys have been following us, listening to us for the last couple of years, we launched right around this time the. The 12 Days of Christmas is a classic, right? Well, we made a Cleveland Brown ver version because we were so disappointed two years ago with how things were going that we had enough content to create our own 12 Days of Brown's Christmas. And last year, I think we just skipped this whole entire thing because the Browns had a winning season and we were happy. But yeah, this year... There's nothing... There's it was it was just songs. There was another, nothing really Yeah, we were really about. happy. We were just singing the normal Christmas songs, but... After that loss last night, we all felt very creative, and we came up with the 2021 version of the 12 Days of Brown's Christmas. So we're going to debut it. I'm going to start at 12. Just I'm not going to sing this whole thing in its entirety, starting at you 1 should. and going. No, I can't do the ladder, you guys. You should. I, I can't. <laughs> I'm starting at 12, and I'm going down. Okay, so On the 12 Days of Christmas, the Browns gave to me. <laughs> 12, third down failures, 11, tests for COVID, 10, yards for holding, 9, miles, no calls, 8, wives are crying, 7, total winning, 6, field goals missing, 5, five ugly wins, 4, Landry catches, 3, tight end sets, 2, Nick Chubb screens, and a 12 man on the field penalty. <laughs> of brown smith if you guys there would you like go. us to send you the lyrics let us know so you guys can be you guys everyone can go caroling around their neighborhood oh that would be fantastic and <laughs> sing this we'll put this out there yeah it does it you know that is one good thing about our fandom 
we are able to laugh at ourselves. We are able to do things like this. We are one of the most creative fan bases, in is my it opinion. The fan bases, or is it just the three of us? I think it's our fan base. I see a lot of clever people. <laughs> but yes, we lead the charge. <laughs> That's what we want. We we love the creativeness out of Browns fans, and yes, we we have seen it out of a bunch of other people, but. 12 Days of Brownsmas, The Return. We got to patent that, too. Part, part two. It's like Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song. This is part two. Yes. You guys, I hope we don't have to do this again next year, though. <laughs> I hope if we, we do, don't. Maybe, hopefully, <laughs> if we do the 12 Days of Brownsmas next year, it'll be something positive. <laughs> like, two playoff wins and a Super Bowl ring. There you go. There you go. Yes. Manifesting. Five Super Bowl rings. Eventually, we'll get there. Yeah. I'll be eighty. <laughs> manifesting. We're we're manifesting that Super Bowl ring eventually. Oh, well, that wraps us up, you guys. Um, thank you all for tuning in and listening. As you know, you can find us on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, however you listen to your podcasts. We hope that you guys all have a Merry Christmas if you celebrate. If not, we hope that you guys can enjoy a Saturday of Browns football and hopefully coming up with a miracle win. We will catch you guys all next week. 